Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Before we get to today's episode, I'm going to tell you about thebeardstruggle.com. Thebeardstruggle.com has amazing beard products that turned a guy, me, to somebody who never dreamt of using beard products. I mean, that sounds like something somebody with skinny jeans uh, drinks White Claw would use. Uh, I, however, do not wear skinny jeans, and I don't drink White Claw, but I do, however, am very thankful that I stumbled upon thebeardstruggle.com because their beard products rock, dude. They're just, they're awesome. They make my beard manageable. It's nice and soft. It doesn't get wiry and coarse. It's great. So the fact that I know you've heard me talk about it week in, week out, but I usually have shaved it off by this time because a beard in the summer just does not sound like fun. But with these products, it's really not a bad deal. It's filled in nice. My beard's never looked better, never felt better. Not sure I'm going to do the shave thing. It's a daily struggle. It's just so, hey, it's a beard struggle. Um, Wow. Anyways, so check it out. If you have a beard, think about growing a beard, you want to make your beard better, Check out thebeardstruggle.com. Use code FULLSCALE15 at checkout to save yourself 15%. All right, everybody. My guest today, super excited about this one. I wish we would have had more time. I could have talked this dude for forever, but he is super busy. You probably know him. He's Matt Johnson. He's with Clam. He's a guide. He's a promoter. He's got articles and magazine and tv shows and i mean he's doing it all so the fact that he could carve out a few minutes for me was awesome and i'm super appreciative of it he's a wealth of knowledge great dude um well i don't know what more there is to say about it uh, hopefully we can continue to do these in the future um yeah it's awesome oh he owns and runs the upl the upper panfish league so it's like the you know just like the minnesota made tournament very similar and I don't know, it's just awesome. Had a great time. I just kind of longing for more, which is good. Keep them coming back for more. Keep me coming back for more. So, anyways, here we go. This is the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast with Matt Johnson. 
Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Oh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Sweet. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you coming on the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Absolutely. Pretty awesome. Um, let's get a little bit of backstory on Matt. Like, um, like I've sure. seen you. I've seen your face in magazine. I've seen your face on TV, all over the internet for a long time. So it's like you've just been like one of those. This is. I'm giving you like my perspective. Perspective of it. It's like you've just been one of those. <laughs> personalities that is kind of like always been there so i mean like how did you get started in the outdoor industry yeah for sure i mean I, i've always had a strong passion for fishing and to be honest I, I don't really know why because we never grew up with a fishing boat we didn't have a lake home or a cabin we didn't go on fishing trips uh, my dad and my brother and i would just do some shore fishing just a few times a year but i just from a young age, fishing was a major passion of mine. I'd get really obsessed whenever we talk about going. And it just kind of blossomed into high school where I really focused on fishing, read every fisherman magazine, watched every TV show. I was that kid that would sit in front of the TV on a Saturday morning knowing that at 7.30, you know, in fisherman television was going to be on. Oh, been there. And, and obviously this was before you could TiVo anything or – the internet never existed, so you had to be there at your TV at 7.30, watched all that, and became obsessed. And then as I got into high school and had obviously more freedom and liberty to do things, I got really obsessed. I started writing, joining some of the – when I was later years in high school, joining some of the online fishing forums. And then when I went to college, I made a conscious effort that I wasn't going to work at you know, a Coles or a McDonald's to pay my bills, I was going to be a fishing guide. So locked ties with Crestliner boats and started guiding once I went to college to make ends meet down in Mankato. And the addiction became an obsession. And all through college, I guided and started picking up partnerships and sponsorships and doing seminars and working sports shows and started the UPL in 2002 when I was a you know, freshman in college and the rest was history. And it's just blossomed into a, one heck of a fun career and worked for Thorn Brothers for many years and still guide to this day. And obviously, you know, I work for Clam Outdoors and manage all pro staff and for four different brands, 620 pros in four, co four countries and almost every state in the, in the United States now. And it's, uh, it's been one heck of a fun ride, and I hope it never stops as long as I can do it. <laughs> you messed so. around and went and made a career out of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's just it. I mean, what people need to realize in, in this business, and it, it is a business to a lot of people for sure, and it can definitely be a hobby as well, but if you want it to be a business or a career, you have to work hard at it. And I don't want to sound cliche because that's something you should say about any business, right? You've got to work hard, but fishing, especially because it's so competitive and, and you have to drop the sense of entitlement because right now we live in an era where so many people 
have a Facebook page and think they should be sponsored or, or fish one fishing tournament and do well and think they should be sponsored or, and it's just not the reality of it. It's, you know, when I came up the ranks and some of the guys my age that started when I did, we'd laugh once in a while. We used to have to do things for free. It's a novel right. idea. Yeah. And no one understands that concept. It seems like nowadays, but we used to do a lot of things and not get paid or compensated for it. And I think the people that understand that and have that drive are truly the ones that are making that next level move. Well, you need to uh, treat it as like an apprenticeship almost, you know, the times where, you know, you do something that's not on. being paid. It's like, well, yeah, you're not getting paid monetarily, but your effort is being rewarded or at least noticed and acknowledged, hopefully, uh, by Amen. somebody, you know, yep. and there's definitely value on. in that. For sure. Yeah, and being a pro staff director for my full time job, I see it, and 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 that's the stuff that catches my eye. It's it, it's pretty fun to watch. But no, you're it's been a labor of love. I love it. It's I still love it. I have kids that I'm raising now, my wife and I that love it and want to be involved in the industry and and see some of that stuff. And but no, it's uh, I've been blessed and and you know sometimes right place, right time, obviously and. But, uh, you know, been a lot of fun, fished my way through college and and uh, took the guide path and the retail path. And it led me to where I am now. And I, I encourage anyone that wants to be involved in fishing, the business, at least, at least spend some time in a retail establishment. Oh, for because sure. Because it yeah. will dial you in in ways that you will never understand. And so, I mean, I I firmly believe I'm where I'm at today because of cutting my teeth at Thorn Brothers and working retail and working with customers and seeing that level of pace and that side of the business makes you a stronger ambassador for the sport. So I would encourage people to, you know, try to try their hand at a retail. If you're concerned where you want to be and what you want to do, work, work a retail store and, and you'll see a lot of things open up for you. Well, I mean, it's a talk about a foot in the door. And that leads me like what you said about right place, right time. You know, a lot of people are going to hear that and they're going to, they're going to say, Oh, he, you know, he got lucky or I just got to, you know, I'm just going to fish on the weekends and wait till I meet the right person. And, you know, hopefully I can get lucky. It's like, well, yeah, right place, right time. But you were working your butt off to make sure that you were in the right place at the right time. You know, a lot of these pro anglers, you know, I've heard Iconelli say it. He's like, you have to put yourself in a position to win. You know, you have to put your position, put yourself in a position to get lucky. You know, even in the, you know, you're a tournament angler and I've fished the ice fishing tournament scene with Minnesota made. And, you know, you ask people, you know, they interview you and you get, you know, what's your secret to success or what do you think works or how much luck do you think is involved in these things? And it's like, well, you can't say that luck isn't a factor. I'm mean, kind of going right. down a rabbit hole here with the tournament fishing, but, but it's not just like, you have to be, you have to have, you have to do everything you can in your power, have oh, all your, sure. you know, knots tied correctly. Your equipment needs to be working in perfect order. So when you get that lucky bite in air quotes, you can take advantage of it. Otherwise it's a missed yeah. fish and now it's, now it's bad luck. And now you're beating yourself up about how unlucky you are, you know, like yep. sure there's luck involved, but, and that, that's the same thing as where you're coming from when you said, you know, right place, right time. Yeah, but yep. you had already been doing it, and so it was a right fit at the right time. Is almost a better way of saying it, really. I mean, yep. 
if you're I right. can, if and, I can put words in your mouth. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you're you're spot on, and and the the fishing promotional side of things doesn't sleep. It's not a nine to five job. Never will be. Never should be. And if that's how someone looks at it, I can promise you those individuals will will not reach their potential. I can I, I can not only promise you, I can guarantee you that that'll be the case. So if you're not willing to put in the extra time, I mean, if you asked my wife or my family, you know, it's not uncommon that I'm, I'm like you said, in air quotes, working at nine at night at five in the morning on a Saturday, on a Sunday, walking away from the dinner table to do something. That's, that's what you need to see. And that's how you need to view it to accomplish where you want to get. And, and it's been that way forever. I mean, there's, it's endless amount of work, you know, Pre-fishing before a guide trip, coming back from a guide trip or a tournament and organizing your tackle or shooting a video or hopping on social media when you're tired, that's when you got to work the hardest. And that's the same thing with sports or anything. It's it's the work you put in when you're exhausted that really moves the bar. And that's something that can be said for fishing as well. It's not just, uh, hey, I put my time in today, put my feet up, let's smile and have a cocktail. It's it's no, how can I continue to push the bar? What can I do next? How can I change what I'm doing to be better? Those are things you always have to consider. And it's, it, it, it definitely is not for the faint of heart. If you want to make it a hobby, then look at it from one set of glasses. If you want to make it a career, a profession, it's a whole nother level. If you ask any one of these guys that work in the fishing business and truly make strides, they will tell you, it's not an eight hour a day job. It's a, it's a time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And, uh, and that's how you have to look at it. And if you do it that way, uh, you will progress in the industry. I promise you, you yeah. will. Yeah. Like it, I said, there's no, there's definitely no nine to five. I mean, been doing this podcast now for a little over a year and a half and, you know, never thought it'd be so hard just to get people lined up. I mean, the scheduling aspect of it is like, it's crazy because I, I'm sure this is the same for some for a lot of industries, but as far as the outdoor industry, especially you know on my end, I'm trying to get people in a timely like I want to get goose hunters in right before the goose season starts because that's what people are going to want to listen to and they're all fired up about it. And, but when you go to talk to an expert in that field, they're busy. <laughs> they're busy. Absolutely. They're busy doing the thing that you want to talk to them about and it's it, it makes for a very interesting um challenge to overcome and i try to be as flexible as i can on on my end like uh i i do a, a waterfall wednesday with a, a contest caller nick a johnson and i go i literally take my podcast stuff and he has a, he works a really weird work schedule and so i go to his house at like 11 o'clock at night and we record yep. these episodes and I'm usually in bed by 9:30. Like this is, you know, so I'm like, okay, I gotta try to cram in an hour nap here because I gotta go record some episodes with Nick tonight. And you know, the wife's just rolling her eyes at me. He's like, "You're crazy." I'm like, "Well, do what you gotta do." I mean, it's not, yep. you know, it's, yep. no one's giving met, me this. Many, I gotta, I'm gonna make it happen. Like this is, it's just not yep. open for debate, you know. Absolutely, many, many, many interviews, phone calls, podcasts are done in the truck to and from the lake, right? Because that's your window of time you know, that you have or, or in between guide trips when you're trying to crush down a sandwich and take a breath before you speak. Uh, that's not uncommon. I mean, I've done many of that sort of stuff or, or after the kids go to bed, you hop back on and go in the garage and shoot a video. And, 
that's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, like I said, it, it, you never sleep and uh, you enjoy it and you smile. And if you don't, if you don't enjoy it and you're not smiling, then maybe it's not for you. Right. And that's okay too. So. And you can see that you really enjoy it. Like I really like your um, metrary reports that you put out on Facebook and your kids get involved now when they do, you know, they like to, they like to talk and get right into it. And I think that's great. You know, from a, a family man myself, it's like, it's very endearing. It's very um, familiar, I guess, you know, it's something to connect. You know, there's a lot of people out here that have family and are trying to juggle that hobby with family and, you know, you got your kids right in there doing it, and I, and I think that's great. And Well, I've learned because we're gone and busy so much fishing and doing that stuff and promoting, when you're home, you have to find a way to balance it. And that's that, – I would say what, there's a lot of anglers that I don't want to say fail, but fizzle out not because of ability or passion. It's because of the family dynamic that they can't juggle it all. So what I've learned, and that comes from my dad – including me and my brother and my sister and everything in his life was you have to include them. So when I, I guide every Sunday. So when I get off the water, I usually get home early afternoon, every Sunday and I shoot that video and I always make it a point. Cause the first thing, what happens when you pull in the driveway, when you're gone, your kids run up to you, they want to say, hi, did you catch any fish? They want to climb in the boat. They want to talk fishing. They want to talk whatever. So I've learned that instead of just saying, Hey, leave me alone. I got to film this video. I've embraced it. But where, Hey, do this with me. And now they thoroughly look forward to Sunday afternoon because they know we're going to shoot a video. One day it's one kid. The next week it's another kid. One of the kids might be holding the camera or, or providing baits. And it's kind of become a little bit of a family affair. But that's one thing I've learned is get get the family in as bald as you can. And it makes it easier versus getting home from a long day of guiding and everyone's starving for attention and you have to just tune them out again. It does not sit well on the home front. I promise you. That. <laughs> yeah, so I bet not. So I get them involved, take them fishing whenever I can. I have my, you know, my wife loves to fish. She doesn't get to do as much as she wants, but I, she'll oftentimes bring the boys to the lake. Hey, I'm guiding till noon. She'll drop them off at twelve fifteen, and I'll take them fishing for three more hours and check some spots. Find ways to get them involved and excited about the sport. Then it doesn't become a burden for anybody. Because once it becomes a burden for anybody, that's when you start to hit roadblocks in that promotional career or that fishing career or, or whatever angle you take. So if you can find a way to get around those obstacles and make it something enjoyable for everyone, hey, you're, you're moving someplace in the right direction. Yeah, that's really, that's really, really good advice. The, I was cracking up the last one, and, it, and this is just a kid thing in general. I've seen it time and time again, whether somebody's on video or it's just – people are socializing at their house, but you got the kid and he's tugging on, he can't wait to talk. He's tugging on your sleeve and you're trying to get your, you're trying to get, finish your sentence or your thought. And he's just tugging. And then you find, okay, well, yeah, well, what do you want to say? And then it's just like deer in the headlights and then they yep. stumble over their words. They're just so excited. They can't get the words out. It's, uh, I was cracking up. That you got to have composure. I've learned that. I learned that years ago, not just in the fishing side, but the guiding side, even the promotional side, composure in all aspects of fishing is a vital tool you know obviously fishing the act of fishing you need to have composure patience a clear head we all know how that works tournament fishing but 
obviously composure as a fishing guide you don't know who you're always going to guide you don't know their mood every day you got people coming into your boat that you may not have met in some of these corporate events and then you look at it from a, a promotional side if you've ever worked the clam outdoors booth at the St. Paul ice fishing and winter sports show. And you don't have composure. <laughs> it is, it is going to be the longest day of your life. And you might never come back to that show again, because there's 15,000 people that show up on that one day and your head's got to be on a swivel. You got to breathe. You got to have patience and you got to have composure. So, you know, you're spot on. I mean, yeah, my, my kids, they're going to tug on your arm all the time. They get excited. And uh, yeah, you want to, you want to get your points out there and you want them to, you know, with all due respect, be quiet for a minute. <laughs> Come on, man. It never happens. Uh, I mean, I've learned you just let them talk or it's going to get worse. So you just let them butt in and you let them talk. And, and usually they get their point across. You go back to your point and, and save, uh, save a lot of headaches. So well, I think you do it as good as anybody. Like I was, I was cracking up. I could just see him bursting with energy, getting ready to talk. I knew exactly how it was going to pan out. Cause I mean, I have kids and, uh, right. I mean, I love working with kids too. Is it just, I just, I knew how it was going to pan out, but it was, it was great. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and it was highly entertaining. Yeah, no, no, they all have their own little YouTube channels and they're doing product reviews and it's just, uh, it's just a hoot, and they and they love it. One thing we did is we got that this past year we we uh, subscribed to like that mystery tackle box, and every month a new set of baits show up, and holy cow, do they get jacked oh up! And they take turns on who, oh take turns on who picks what every month, and they someone else goes first every month, and so we're waiting for that to show up here for June, and it's just fun to watch them. I mean. We didn't have that stuff when we were little. We didn't have the tools that we have now. We didn't have the fishing gear that we have now. We didn't have it's the social media, the networking opportunities. I mean, when I wanted to network with my buddies when I was in high school and college, we had to pick up a landline and, or we had to meet someplace. I mean, it was not that easy. I mean, now you have – I can screenshot a spot on Navionics send it to you right now and you can be like perfect all right i'll start there tomorrow you can send them the like, pin just, not even a screenshot oh, you can give it it's insane you can give them the GPS none of that coordinates. <laughs> i mean it used to no. be spend an hour just trying to find the spot you thought you knew existed yeah now i can go right up to it with a with a pop in my hand and a, and a sandwich in the other and, and you know put my motor down push spot lock casually walk up to the front of the boat drop a lure and catch a fish it's just we're very spoiled and i tell i tell my oldest that he's 12 and he's doing the bass tournaments and everything and he's super obsessed with fishing and he does seminars now and i tell him like you have no idea how good you have it you have no idea like you know we i used to have to hand auger a hole now you use a drill plate you have your own vexlar you have gps on your phone it's just like you know more. At the, he knows more at the age of twelve than I did when I was twenty. Oh, for sure. I can. And I can only. It's like, crazy. It's, it's ridiculous. Like those DNR maps. I mean, that's all we had to go off of. And I remember, I think it was um, Lake Alexander. No, it was. It was Lake Alexander. And I went out there, and I see them. I look on this map, and there's like this little hump, Sunken Island. We used to call them back in the day. And I'm like, oh, this should be a really good spot. And I didn't see any houses around where it should be. And like, oh, this might be a little secret spot. I go out there, and I'm drilling holes, and and I think i might have had a hand auger at the time no i had i had 
at that point I had a power auger, gas auger. So I went out there and I'm drilling this basin out, trying to, I'm like, man, this thing has got to be around here. And I even had, I had a little handheld E-Trex GPS. Yep, yep. And so I, I like, this map didn't really have, you know, it had, uh, it wasn't very accurate, but it, you know, it had like some grids on it. So I would kind of estimated where it should be in latitude, longitude. And so I started there and I just kind of spiraled out and I'm trying to find this thing and I'm out there for hours. And I can, I can, it's just the same depth everywhere I look. And finally the sun's starting to go down. I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go over to this point that I know exists. And I'm going to fish there for the last couple uh, hours of light or whatever. I get out there and I start talking to a fellow fisherman. And he's like, oh, this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, yeah, I just spent most of my day trying to find that, that uh, sunken island. I can't find that thing anywhere. He goes, oh, that? Yeah, that doesn't exist. I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what is it doing on a map? Like, I understand, like. Yeah not like i understand missing it if you're making a map you know the cartographer didn't quite find that spot that's one thing but you just like ah this is a good place for an island like exactly i'm like this is not the time to get artistic you just wasted a bunch of my time yeah, yeah. we don't have that problem today but yeah no we're, we're pretty dialed but no you're right you're spot on it's uh you know, you, you, we got the. It's a definitely a thing where you got to put the effort in, and, and that's on all aspects. And you got to keep challenging yourself and learning. And I always tell people that. I mean, every day you can learn something new is a successful day. You know, don't get complacent. Don't get stuck in a rut. Challenge yourself to oh. try new techniques, to fish new spots. You know, fish new lakes, fish with new people. It's amazing how much we learn from each other. I mean, you know, there. I don't care how good you are as an angler. I don't care who you are. I don't, there's not an angler in this world that won't get shown up by someone else on any day of the week. That's fishing. Like look at fighter, Seth fighter who's arguably one of the best, best bass anglers in Minnesota, you know, just fished the Denny's yesterday. And they, they came in 11th with John Feige, who are those two guys together. If you ask me how it's going to end up, I would tell everyone else that signed up. Good, good luck. Yeah. Great. You know, but it's fishing, you know, and, but then tomorrow you go out there and those two guys will crack a 28 pound bag for six and last, you know, and that's just it. And if you ask anyone that's at that level, and if you, if you, from a set fighter perspective, the level he's at is the best. That's the most elite level. If you oh, ask sure. any one of those guys, like him or Ike and Ellie or any of those guys, they're going to tell you there's always somebody every day that can and will beat you. And you should never stop learning. And everyone you fish with, Soak up the information. Ask them what they're doing. Now we have our first club. We have our first club tournaments coming up this weekend, and uh, so I've been did some pre fishing last weekend. And about the about the tournament thing, like I didn't join a club until I got a decent boat. I got a used Ranger. You know, it's nothing special. Needs to be wet sanded and everything, but it works, right? It gets me out there. It fishes fishes pretty well. I got old ancient electronics, and I need to upgrade this. I need to upgrade that. But sure. um, I kind of waited to get into the tournament scene until I felt I had a boat that was capable of it. And then I get into this club and I find out there's a thing called the non-boater. I'm like, wait, <laughs> wait, what? Like I could have been doing this, this whole, like how much knowledge have I just left on the table by not joining this club 15 years ago as a non-boater, right. you know, like it's ridiculous. Cause you know, my boat broke down one year. And that's uh, so why I fished that most of that season as a non-boater. And, yeah, I learned a ton. You learn how well the yep. people fish and think, man, I never would have thought to throw that here or at this time or do that or do this. And yep. it's crazy. But, 
Man, Matt, I'll be honest with you. I am uh, my confidence is not at an all time high right now. I have not been doing well this year. <laughs> just my pre, my my pre fishing, just fun fishing. Like I'm catching fish, just not finding the quality I want. And coming into yep. this weekend, boy, I'm just like literally. I was talking to my buddy, my uh, tournament partner for uh, Minnesota Made, Joel. I was just like, oh, dude, am I, I'm I'm not doing good. I'm, I'm like really down on myself. Like I don't feel confident going into these tournaments. Like I am going to get crushed. And I assume everybody kind of goes to those highs and lows. Um, and yeah, yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta keep grinding and, you know, I don't know, find that. Do I, do I fish out of my comfort zone? Do I stick to my strengths and hope it finally works? I don't know. I don't know what to do. It's, well, it's been a weird <laughs> year. I mean, look at what we've been dealt in the last three weeks for weather. Uh, I mean, it, it's nothing like trial by fire. I mean, if you look at what we've ha- been handed since, let's say, Memorial Week until now, it's been so if, – if, you, if you're not fishing every day, let's say you go out every five days or every weekend in the last three, four weeks, you are going to be so lost because so much changes in a matter of two, three days recently. Seriously. And now we got the post-spawn funk. I mean, just look at the weights yesterday in the Denny's. I mean – 21 pounds for six bass on Lake Minnetonka with the best hammers in, out there. Wow. That's what, that's what won it. Well, that makes you feel a little better. So, I mean, it was, <laughs> there just wasn't big weights. It was a grind and, and that's just fishing. That's, that's the hand we get dealt at times. And there are things we can control, but there are many things in the sport of fishing we cannot control. And that's how it'll be indefinitely. That's never going to change. And so don't feel ashamed by it. It's, you know, I always tell people, I mean, you're going to have your wins, you're going to have your losses, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs. The peaks and valleys of fishing are rampant, and that's not just open water fishing or tournament fishing. It's everything. It's ice fishing. You go out there and you're like, oh, today's going to be the day. Man, look at the pressure. It's perfect. We got everything we want, and you're just beating your head against the fish house. Okay. And then the next day you're like, oh, I shouldn't be out here. It's not. It's not going to happen, and you're just like – you're wondering if there's something wrong because every time you drop down, you catch a big one. So that's just fishing. Well, but, I'd be okay with know, that problem. <laughs> right. You and me both. And, and I always tell people it, it, it is how it is. And as a fishing guide, I learned a long time ago, you never talk about yesterday's bite. You oh, never, t- yeah, you sure. never get in the boat with your clients and say, well, yesterday was amazing. We crushed them, we yesterday. Crushed them yeah. yesterday or, or tomorrow or talking to your client about tomorrow's trip. Tomorrow should be good. Today was on fire. You never mention that. That is, that is basically, you basically signed your death warrant when you talk about the bite because it, it can change every day. It can change from the morning until the afternoon and for no rhyme or reason, it's just fishing. And yeah. That's kind of how it's been, but this year has been a funky one. I mean, you, we've my trolling motor has been on six, seven, or eight more in the last three weeks than it has in the last three months. So it's you got to move, you got to stay after them, you got to be, uh, you know, thinking one step ahead all the time to get on these fish because they're just so sporadic right now and they're just on the move. It'll level out. We'll get some summer patterns here super quick, if not here in the next week or two, and. You'll find yourself back on pace catching them like you should. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to stop changing for sure, <laughs> or they get a little bit more predictable. You know, it's like the the lake we fished. It was uh, it's north of Malax. I think we're fishing Bay, Bay Lake. Yep. And uh, 
you can see nice, fresh, clean bed. So they just finished spawning. I didn't see a single fish on the bed, and I wasn't expecting to see anything on the bed. But they were, you could tell they didn't finish that long ago. And I didn't see any bluegill beds, so that didn't start. So they're in that little zone and literally found fish everywhere from a foot of water to 16 feet. You know, it's like they were just spread out everywhere. It's like, man, yep. what in the heck? How am I going to dial these things in, you know? But, yeah, we'll just get after it. And yep. whatever happens, happens. There's not much I can do about it. I'm going to be there. It's not like I'm going to quit or anything. But, oh, yep. man, it is It is definitely frustrating out there. One thing I learned when, when the bike gets, like, fickle like that, uh, you really go two directions. You either power fish and cover as much water as you can trying to get impulse bites, or honestly, if you know of areas there's been fish, I'll slow way down. Like our best bite for sure the last couple of weeks has been on a wacky rig, no weight, painfully slow dead stick. It's so and painful because I watched your your report on that. I'm like, you, you know what? I'm gonna to try that. Oh my god, is that hard to do? It, everyone wants to throw it because the chatter bait was on fire. The bladed jig bait was on fire for two weeks. It was if you weren't throwing one, then you needed to check your pulse. And then it went like literally overnight. It went and we are catching them on and you can't even tie a wacky rig direct to braid. We're putting four, four foot, five foot fluorocarbon leaders on and it's a uh, catch the bait, do nothing. I mean, nothing for like 10 seconds and have confidence and faith that if there's a fish there, they're going to eat it and they will. And it's been really tough to guide that way because you know, I think you and myself probably have the discipline to do it because we know what's at the end of the tunnel. But when you get somebody in the boat that doesn't fish much or if at all on a guide trip, you know, I guarantee you after two and a half seconds, their hand, their hands on the handle of the reel. Oh yeah. If, if not, you gotta that. Be, you, and you got to tell them, no, don't touch it. You know, don't touch it. You just pitched your bait into seven feet of water. The bait's the fish is in the bottom 18 inches of the water column. It's going to take that bait four seconds to get to them. Don't touch it. Yep. And uh, those that are, that listen, you see them bending rods. And so that's been our technique recently is, is darn near dead sticking to get these fish to go, at least the big ones. If you want to still catch fish, sure. You can still throw a chatterbait or, or a swim jig or, whatever you want to do and, and, and go through them. And sure, you'll pick up a big one maybe here and there, but these bigger fish right now, this post-spawn funk, pre-summer pattern, they're just in the weeds six to 10 feet. And you got to really, really coax them out and and just put faith that there's fish there. And that's been our by far and away best technique. And it's been great for my kids because I have one son who's six He'll be six here, and, and he just throws the bait out, and, and he just daydreams. You want to know what? He's kicking our butt on how many yeah. he's catching. Because yeah. he's he's looking at the bird on the shore. He's talking about this. He's talking about that. Most days he's catching weeds because he's he's just dragging a bait. Well, now right now, right now he's catching fish. And uh, and, and you can take you can learn from from those you know those skill sets and and duplicate it on your to yourself. So. It's been fun. You know, you got to get out there chasing, but you watch, bud. You'll see, I bet you by next week, you know, we're going to be flipping jigs. We're going to be getting after it, and they're going to be chowing again pretty quick. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so when yeah, did you – the UPL, I want to hit – I know you, you got – we're crunched for time here. Um, 
But I want to talk to you a little bit about the UPL. Yeah. Because even though we haven't even gotten to summer yet, my mind goes to ice fishing all the time, especially since oh, I got into tournament ice fishing. Like, my mind is there at least at some point every single day. Um, so what – from, like, conception to practice, like, how did you get UPL going? Was it just a, like a buddy's friends thing, and or did you always kind of plan for it to be well, kind you of know, the beast I, it is I, today? When I, I – I was always known as kind of a panfish kid. So when I started moderating and working for FishingMinnesota.com, this was well before Facebook existed or anything. There were a bunch of fishing forums, and that's how everyone got – that's how everyone connected, networked it, and got information across. You know, I used to moderate the Panfish Forum back in the day on Fishing Minnesota. And when I was in college, I fished a series called the Leading the Edge Tournament Series. It was put on by Fishing Minnesota where you'd have two-person teams and you'd weigh a limit of each species. Heaviest weight wins, and this would include bluegills, crappies, bass, pike, walleyes, and a bonus muskie. So there were some big bags. Well, we learned early on that we can win these tournaments by focusing primarily on bluegills and crappies. Because while everyone's out trying to catch six bass, we can go catch 20 bluegills and 10 crappies and put more weight in the scale than a limit of walleyes and a limit of bass. Especially on lakes like Cass, Lahamadu Chain, the whitefish chain. When you're getting to the half pound bluegills and one pound crappies, do the math. Yeah. It's not hard to bring in 30 pounds of weight. You're not bringing in 30 pounds of weight with bass, pike, or walleye. So we learned quick that the first thing we targeted were our panfish. We'd fill the live well with 20 bluegills and 10 crappies, and then we'd go flipping for bass and chucking spinnerbaits for pike, and we're winning these tournaments. And all of these anglers were coming to the scales <laughs> frustrated by us because they were out all day in 621 rangers trolling for walleyes or chucking musky baits or flipping bass jigs and here we were coming in with you know 25 pounds of panfish well after a couple of years of us doing that they decided to change the limits on panfish <laughs> to 10 bluegills and 10 crappies or Jeez. 10 bluegills and five and i'm thinking well why would you do that we found a way to be proactive and i thought to myself well i'm going to start a panfish tournament and this was in 2001 and i'm like i'm going to start a panfish only tournament and it's going to be year-round there was not one that existed at the time where it was a year-round panfish tournament so the first two years of the upl was actually four ice fishing events six open water events and we'd skip the months of april and november and we did that for two years, and we learned pretty quick that no one wants to compete in a summer panfish tournament. Our numbers were pretty low. Hmm. So we just kept it. Starting in 2003, 2004, we just kept it as an ice fishing tournament, <clears throat> and it blew up. The only thing that existed at the time was the trap attacks. The NIFC hadn't started yet. There was no other league that existed other than just like a week, a one-day derby where you had a fish in one hole and win a prize. Right, and yeah. And we did that, and then in, like, 2006, the trap attacks disbanded, and the NIFC came along. And then shortly other, then shortly later, you had other circuits like Team Extreme, and then Gazzoni came out to a UPL and spent a day with us and hung out because Paul and I were buddies from high school, and he started the MMA, the MMPAN started. Now we got all these phenomenal leagues that blossom and surface. So it's been fun, and, and right now the UPL is the longest-running ice fishing circuit in the country. Uh, because since the trap attacks went away, it, it, it's been awesome. And 
I don't fish in it. I fished in it the first few years and I actually got kicked out of my own league because <laughs> I fished so much. I was fishing every day of the week that I would literally just pre-fish for 10 days straight for every single one of the events. And and I had, I had some of my closest friends even say, well, if you're going to do this again, we're not doing it. And the, the ironic thing, Dale, to be honest, if I entered the UPL right now, I'd get my butt whooped. I don't have the ability to pre-fish and stay on top of these bites. These guys and gals are too dang good. I couldn't compete. That pre-fishing guys is would, super important. These guys would whoop me, you know, so it's funny how times have changed and things have come full circle. And, and we just continue to progress and make it this, you know, club type learning. It's all about learning. It's all about fun. Uh, all the rules are voted on by the league members. The lakes are voted on by the league members. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, pre-fishing going on by multiple teams hanging out grilling out and that's what we like it's it's not intended to be a if it's not, if your utmost purpose of fishing the upl is to be competitive and win it's not the place for you and we've seen some of those teams come and go because they take it too serious now are there really good anglers in the upl yes you know many of them some i'd argue some of the best ice fishermen out there but they never lose sight of fun education learning camaraderie teamwork it's not about who's better it's not about who's the best it's about having fun and yeah you're sure darn right if they win they're going to be happy about it but you don't see any of them pout when the tournament's over they all stick around ask what worked what didn't work and already game plan together on how to combat it the next time they go out and we've created that atmosphere and, and it's it's fun. So I just run them now. I haven't fished in the UPL since 2005. I just run oh, it every wow. single tournament. I run every tournament. I, uh, I'm i there to be a liaison, to answer questions, to be a shoulder to cry on, whatever. <laughs> and I just have fun. I bring my kids. I run the weigh-ins. I network with the partners and the sponsors. I go fishing with people that want to come out and hang out. Uh, it's not uncommon to have seven, eight trucks follow me around on the ice that day that are just hanging out for the day to learn and watch the weigh-in. And it's become, we look forward to it. We look forward to the four UPL events every, every year. And, and it's a blast and the sponsors love it and, and uh, no complaints. And so far the, our, uh, our plan and process has worked really well. I don't plan to change it. I've been, you know, every year we have about 40 teams on the waiting list. So we could, we could have a 75 team tournament. I'm confident Oof. in that. I just don't want to do that. I don't want to dilute it. And Dave Gens actually told me years ago, he came to a UPL event probably 10 years back. And he goes, you know what, Matt, this is the closest thing I've ever seen to the trap attacks in terms of camaraderie. He's like, don't change it if you don't want to. Because the second you increase the payouts and increase the amount of teams, you can't help but it changing. Takes it on will. another, yeah. It's it will change, else, yeah. and it will change the intent of the league. Um, and uh, I've held strong since then. I mean, I, I've had, I had someone offer me eighteen thousand dollars to buy it from me, eighteen grand. Wow. And I, my answer was no in about four seconds. And had to think about it for three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three, yeah, but that's not the purpose, not the intent of the league. No, so, and, I, and fun, I would man. say that's the it. thing about Minnesota Made that I that I love the best too is just the camaraderie you have and the friendships I've made fishing that for the last two years and and the guys that run it. You know, Jake and Giz, salt of the earth. Yeah, I love those dudes. Yeah, and 
It's not about ego. It's about having fun. Wouldn't have met him. I mean, there's a little bit of ego in there. Right. There's a little bit. There's a little bit. I'm not going to say I'm not competitive. (laughs) But but at the end of the day, it it is, you know, it's definitely sharing a a beer and having a burger and, like I said, sharing information, you know. Well, you got to look at it. If you win the MN Made, is it really life-changing? No. If you win the UPL, is it really life-changing? No. So do you want to be a schmuck and, and lose friends over ego? No. Do you want to be a good ambassador and build friendships and have rapport and have people look at you with strong integrity? Yes. And I think UPL, MMA, MN Pan, many of these leagues see it that way. And it's no secret why they're succeeding. There's, it's no secret why Gizzy and Jake are full every year. Same with, same with Ted and Sparky's MN Pan and same with the UPL because people see it that way. They see it as a fun way to be involved but have a competitive edge and, and move forward. And, and I, I, I applaud these type of circuits that are out there, and they're doing great things for the sport. Yeah, it's, it's the ice fishing, the competitive ice fishing is just it's, – it's kind of blown up. And Minnesota Made had those growing pains too where they're like they had the – there was definitely the the want out there for them to have more teams, and and you know Jake and Giz were just like, no, we're capping it at thirty. That this we just yep. don't want it to get out of control. And I think thirty is a good number. I mean, that's that's a yeah, lot. Of, that's it. a lot of guys out there. And you got to look at the resource. You know, absolutely. You you got thirty teams out there that are good sticks that are gonna take some fish out of that lake that day. Right. You know? And that's a and lot exploiting. of fish when you do the math, you know. And the and biggest exploiting ones. Bites. Yeah, <laughs> exploiting bites and and that sort of stuff. No, you're spot you're you're absolutely spot on. It's it's uh it's fun to watch some of these leagues grow and, and prosper and expand and and you just gotta be mindful and you gotta have like we talked about earlier, composure and uh and and stick with the guns and but I also like to make it open for people to be involved and show up to the weigh-ins and see what's going on and give back and clean the lake when we're done. And it's, it's a good time. No yeah, doubt. It, it is awesome. But that competitive nature and getting down on yourself and not, you know, staying positive. I mean, that's a huge part of it during the event. You know, we didn't have on, on Clearwater last year, Joel and I didn't have a full limit. You know, we were freaking out. We had three, we were three crappies shy and, we had like an hour, hour and a half left to go, and just like, man, we're just getting our butts <laughs> stomped today. Like, you know, it's, you're not expecting to catch a crappie at one thirty in the afternoon out on this lake, you know. And we just right. kept grinding out, and we're like, well, let's go back. We know there's fish in this one spot. We'd caught walleyes there, the bluegills are there, rock bass are there. I mean, it's just a matter of time. And the crappies have to be using that same seam, so we go back over there, and we we made the right move at the right time. You know, it's kind of like we talked yep. about earlier, being in the right place at the right time, or setting yourself up to be lucky because boom all of a sudden i hook another nice crappie and i'm that just reinvigorated me i'm like oh they're here they ain't just one let's fish hard you know and joel caught another one and then he caught a little little eight and a half inches that he almost didn't keep he's like oh i better check this one because they need for minnesota made they have to be eight inches and he checked it eight and a half that gave us our limit that gave us that bonus fish that one eight and a half that's the biggest eight and a half inch crappie anybody's ever caught yeah (laughs) that eight and a half crappie yeah exactly this is like and then we ended up winning that event it's like i'll tell you you can getting that plaque you know the check didn't that was like nothing you know you spend way more than that on gas and tackle and rooms and meals and everything else but getting that plaque man did that feel good (laughs) and i love watching anglers grow i mean 
I've seen some of the anglers start in the MN made or start in the UPL or MN pan or whatever it might be. And when they first start, it's intimidating. They struggle. They don't, they learn that they are not using the right gear. They don't know as much as they thought they did respectfully. No. And then you watch them after a couple of years. Yeah. Then you watch them after a couple of years in the, in the league. They all of a sudden it's like, these are, I mean, I look at some of the guys in the UPL when they first started in the UPL with all due respect to them, they were not great at panfish anglers. They thought they were because they had their home lake bite. They knew where to go when the sun right. went down. Well, they come out and fish, and they go, holy cow. This is a whole different thing. Now, after a few years, some of them are winning events. They're dialed. It's so fun. To, I think that's one of the most fun things about these leagues is watching some of them grow. I mean, I remember Dizzy, the first time we went fishing, he came to the UPL. He was dragging a two-person, 180-pound fish house onto the ice. Oof, and and now he's one of the better ice fishing panfish anglers in the metro. He's dialed. Like he yeah, understands. He right. studies the he studies the <laughs> sport and he can compete against with the best, right? So and that's that's so cool to watch those kind of stories. And that's that's really why we're doing what we're doing, is to build those stories, build those memories, make other ambassadors for the sport, whether they do it as a career or not, whether they just have influence in their cul-de-sac. Those are the success stories that this industry is built off of. And to me, that's a big part of why I do what I do. And I love it every day. I agree. I like watching the other anglers um, get better, you know, right around me. And I like watching myself get better. I mean, it's like, I know there's a, there's a ton of stuff I have yet to learn. Like um, tight lining. I have, I don't, I've never tight lined before. And there's guys that are, you know, you hear it from a lot of these uh, upper echelon guys are like, well, you better learn. You know, it's like, well, yep. then, then I'd better learn because <laughs> I, you know, that's where I want to be someday. So it's uh, it's all soaking it up. But we're getting close to your time, Matt. I really appreciate you carving out part of your busy day and doing this. Um, I didn't get to talk to you much when we did our little Minnesota made walkthrough at Clam because uh, you were busy talking with the other 30 teams. So, yeah. Um, but I appreciate it. it. Um, look forward to seeing you around, seeing you at the shows, and we'll have to do this again sometime. You got it, brother. You know I'll be there. Looking forward to seeing you again as well. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Thanks, Dale. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you guys It's it's and gals. It's, uh, it's an amazing ride. We're going we're gonna to keep forging ahead. So remember, thebeardstruggle.com. For some great beard products, I'll keep that one nice and short. Full scale 15, we'll give you 15% off of your total uh, order. So, yeah, there you go. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks, everybody. Once again, appreciate the heck out of all you. Whatever your passion, pursue that full scale.